Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Laura. Welcome back to the show for part two with David Allen on making space in our lives for what matters. Last time we talked a lot about getting things done, the art of stress-free productivity, his uber best-selling book, his GTD methodology, how it can hugely impact people's lives. Today, we're going to dive further into how to use this method to make space for what matters. So hello, David. Hi, Laura. Happy to be here again. Thanks. Excellent. So how has this methodology helped people to make that space? And do you have a story or anecdote that really warms your heart that you'd like to share? Well, this may be a bit dramatic, Probably the probably the most dramatic and impactful story for me, anyway. One day I got a phone call from a woman in tears. She said, by the way, my husband uh, recently died on the basketball court. He was only in his late 40s. Who expected? He had a heart attack. He was coaching his his team. And she said, the reason I'm calling you is because he uncovered, discovered the getting things done methodology a couple of years ago started to implement it, and it actually created the time and space for him to do things he wanted to do, like coach his kid's basketball team and do some other stuff like that and have more, much more quality time with his kids and his family. And he said, then, he, then you know, he sort of expired, like we didn't expect that whatsoever. But then I walked into, of course, you have somebody close to you like that that, you, that expires and, you know, transitions out of your life. I had to deal with whatever I had to deal with, but she walked into his office and every single thing had been so cataloged and so organized appropriately. She had almost no issue at all with what she needed to deal with after that. So she brought herself and her 12 year old son to my seminar. She said, I want my son to get this because my husband got this and it gave me the opportunity to have him experience that kind of quality of life with deep connection and fun connection with his son and his family he wouldn't have had otherwise. So that's probably, that's probably the most dramatic, you know, maybe one of the most dramatic, had a guy who, who was diagnosed with cancer and then he was lying in bed and in, in the hospital and, okay, let me see. And he started to read, he wound across my book and he said, why, I, why don't I make curing my cancer a project instead of just vic- being victim to it? So he did. He's in remission. He's now a healthy person, but he used that to to become, you know, positively engaged in the driver's seat. But I don't have to accept the situation I'm in. I'm going to make this a project to see how optimal I can make the outcome here. So those would be some pretty dramatic, <laughs> dramatic examples. And I got, you know, thousands of of people and testimonials of people who've used this methodology to, you know, make significant changes in their life and lifestyle. I think that's that's so powerful. Um, the the impacts this can have, and I mean, those are dramatic, but they're truly uh, authentic, beautiful stories. So thank you for those, David. <laughs> yeah, well, there's. I think you're probably going to ask about the more subtle levels too, where when you free up your head of the distractions about your material world, there's an immaterial world or the you know, spiritual with a small s anyway, the spiritual world, the inner world, that gives you more room and space to explore that, 
if you have an interest in that. So, you know, that, that to me is one is probably the, one of the main reasons to do this is it gives you more room. What you do with that room is up to you. See, I, I've, you know, I've trained hundreds of thousands of people, coached hundreds and hundreds of senior people and executives of sophisticated people. And invariably, when they implement anything that the Getting Things Done methodology gives them, even small pieces of it, it gives them more space. You don't need more time. You need more room. How much time does it have to, how much time does it take, Laura, to have a good idea? It can happen quick. Right. How much time does it take to be present? Zero. How much time does it take to be loving, to be, to be current, to be innovative, to be creative? Zero. Those things do not require time. What they require is room in your consciousness that you actually have room to meditate, to think about, to reflect on whatever. You know, some of my most productive times that I've come up with some of the coolest ideas is at night after my dogs have peed and pooped and my wife is in bed and I'm sitting on my easy chair with a glass of wine, the light off, no technology on. Just giving myself, you know, time to go, whatever, whatever shows up. And sometimes those are the times when the, some of the coolest, I oh my God. And then I pull out my little note ticker wallet and make a note about that. And then I wake up in the morning, more, more conscious, go, what a dumb idea, David. Or, hmm, that was pretty cool. Maybe we should X, X, Y, and Z about that. But that's that kind of reflection time is probably the most lacking thing for most busy, you know, people these days. And I like your description of it's time and it's space, right? So it is, you need pockets of time where you're doing nothing or whether you're going for a walk, but without listening to a podcast while you're going to a walk all the time. Not that I'm saying not to, you should be listening to mine because it has some good nuggets. Well, you need you need to listen to the other podcasts that's going on internally. Yes. And I think people don't do that. They're listening to music all the time in the car or they're, you know, when they sit down, they're watching Netflix, right? Entertainment and you're filling your brain. And I, I love watching uh, series and stuff, but I think we need that time to let, be in touch with that space that that white space or that and i call it the creative source right there, there's ideas that can flow from it and not just for the artists and the writers but for all of us ideas insights self-reflection um being connected um to the broader consciousness which is uh, you know in my mind a real thing and uh, we're truly evolving a, as a species that way <laughs> so i don't know when you're publishing this laura but I just finished the two seasons of series of a Japanese uh, series called Midnight Diner. And it's so Zen. It's so wonderful. And I'll finish watching that and turn it off. And then that has actually <laughs> inspired me to actually think about some other things that oftentimes that just ordinariness of what they do in that series. So anyway, that's just a paid political announcement. It's like, oh, you know. Uh, high recommendation if anybody if anybody wants to go get Midnight Diner on Netflix. Okay, on Netflix. We will make a note of that in the show notes. Now, um, 
when have you been most challenged? Because, yeah, I mean, you're human after all. And I'm sure there's been times in your life when your work-life wellness, and that's the term I use all the time, your work-life wellness has been challenged. What did you do about it? Well, I eat my own dog food, as they say, you know. So I just know, and I fall off the wagon regularly. And yes, I don't have a, a lot of things have not been easy in my life, you know, at all. Uh, but you know, in the last 20 or 30 years, you know, a lot of got, things have gotten on pretty good cruise control, but things then show up that go, Oh my God, you know, what do I do about this? You know, how do I handle this? This is uncomfortable. How do I deal with the uncomfortable emotions that are going to show up with people? I have to communicate about the change we just made and then, you know, whatever, fire people, you know, change the company, change partnerships, et cetera. And those are not easy decisions to make and not fun to be involved in. But again, you know, part of our methodology is like, look, it's not all cake, you know, cake and pup and, 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 and cupcakes. This is, you know, you, you move into challenges. It's like, okay, now that I've got a challenge, something on my attention, what's my desired outcome? So training myself to think about outcome and action as opposed to victim. And that's a lot of what my methodology is about. It's a thought process. How do you train yourself to think there are no problems, there are only projects? Mm-hmm. I, I love that. Yeah, anybody thinking or looking at this or listening to this, anything you consider a problem, what do you want to have true about that situation? That's your outcome. And it could be just clarity. It just be could research this. It could be just get to some you know, clarity about whether there's anything I can do about this or not whatever. Great. What's your next action? What would you need to do to, to move the needle toward that level of finality or clarity about what you want out of this? And, you know, that's a cognitive muscle. You have to, you're you not born doing that. You have to train yourself. You, you weren't born know how to look spaghetti or cook spaghetti or, 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 you know, raise your kids. Those are things you actually had to learn. Like you have to learn, how do I deal with stuff that shows up in my life? What's the, what thinking do I need to apply to this thing so that I can get in control of it and be appropriately engaged with it? That's essentially in shorthand. That's essentially what I uncovered was the, the algorithm and the methodology to how to do that. Wonderful. It reminds me of Cy Wakeman, how she talked on the show about what would success look like? What would a great outcome look like of this crappy situation, right? Or So really focusing on not arguing with reality, because reality is reality, right? There's going to be curveballs coming at each of us. There, I mean, it's part of being human. Well, it, you wouldn't grow if you didn't have that. Those things are there to, to, to train you, to get you to learn. You know, what do I need to learn about this? What what lesson is inherent in this problem, this situation or whatever? So, yeah. And, you know, you're probably going to ask one of, my, one of my favorite books. And one of my favorite books is something called The Antidote by Oliver Berkman. And his subtitle is Happiness for People Who Can't Stand Positive Thinking. <laughs> It's a fabulous book. You will laugh out loud when you read Oliver's book. He's great. And, you know, it's all about, it, it really, he goes back to the, to the, uh, uh, you know, to the Greeks that were 
and, and basically it was all about acceptance of current reality. If you don't accept current reality, you can't engage with it appropriately. So look, I'm totally depressed. Make that okay. <laughs> so it's kind of the Zen version of, wow, look at depression. Isn't this a strange and interesting thing? Why, why am I depressed? What's going on? So it's not about trying to say, not trying to pretend you're not depressed. It's about being acknowledging the current realities. What's the current reality of your business? What's the current reality of your relationships? What's the currently and and being able to acknowledge that, admit those. Once you do, if you don't do that, you know there's an old human, you know, potential movement saying that if you what you resist, you're stuck with. So if you're not willing to deal with those things, you're stuck with them. They'll keep spinning around and you know keep you up at night. What you resist, you'll you're stuck with. I I think that's so so true. Really well put. So I'm intrigued by your own spiritual inner awareness, and uh, I want to know what are your thoughts on this challenging world and this rise in consciousness and evolution of the human being and and how spirituality with a lowercase s, I liked how you said that because too often it gets mixed up with mainstream religion and and it's not that, um, but how... I'm intrigued by where you're at with that and, you know, the the role that plays in your life, David. Well, once I had the experience and I, you know, I've been 50 years in, involved in very conscious spiritual exploration uh, with this wonderful spiritual coach, a guy named John Roger, and I worked with for 50 years. And a lot of that was educating me and then having experiences internally about who and how we are and what this planet is all about. So we're all on a fine path. We're all on a path to merging back with the Godhead. And I saw that. I actually had an internal experience of that. You know, uh, so at least for me, I'm not trying to promote anybody or proselytize or anything. I'm just saying, look, this is my experience. Is That's more real than anything you and I are talking about. That's That's what we're doing. So as we're doing that, that gave me a lot more relaxation to just relax. Look, it's all fine. In a sense, nothing's happening that's not appropriate in terms of people's learning, what they're experiencing, what they'll learn from all of that. So a lot of my spiritual education has been about a huge acceptance of what this path is here and that the earth is an is a, is a educational ground. It wasn't designed to be easy. It was designed to challenge you. Was designed, you know. Sorry, right, I'll go, you know, out of the box here. Would design you you pick this out before you even you know, embodied. You know, what kind of life am I going to lead? What kind of parents I'm going to have? What kind of a life? You know, whatever. And it's not about free will; it's about free choice. You have free will on some other levels, you know, but you don't. But once you get here, you don't have a lot of free will. You can't make the chair rise over there, <laughs> Laura. You, can, you, you, you can't do that, but you have free choice. So you, you're going given, to be given options, and the choices you make will then determine the, your growth as a soul in terms of your experience here. And your soul, frankly, from my experience, doesn't care. Doesn't care. <laughs> it doesn't, it's not judgmental. It says, hey, you want that experience? Go have it. Because that's what you're here about, is to go have experience and then learn from that. So anyway, there's a short version of my 
you know, you know, the smallest spiritual context. Yeah, well, it completely resonates with all that I myself have been learning and, and talking about. So I'm so honored to hear that. So let's let's go to a practice because sometimes this can be, you know, a lot to take in. But how do you incorporate time for silence and reflection? And how does meditation and journaling play a role? Because you sent me an article kind called Finding Your Inside Time that you wrote. And I, I felt like it really got at journaling a lot, which I actually do. But I just wonder what y- tips you would have that, that you can share with others on the show. Anything that gets you to sit down, stop the world, you know, <laughs> get off and do something that then allows you to be more reflective, um, not go to sleep, but be reflective and conscious about what am I doing and what's about, oh, let me relax, let me shut up and listen to what voices may show up inside of me, which ones make sense, which ones should I pay attention to. And so anything that does that, it could be journal, journaling does that, you know, it's a, it's a very easy way to do that as a way to sort of unload all your thinking without having to make any decisions about what it means or what to do about it. You're just, all you're doing is expressing. So, you know, many of the great writers and many great thinkers have had maintained journals. So a journal is a great way, is one great tool. It's not the only one. You could do free form writing, Literally, you know, I'd learned that in my spiritual practice is just take a pen and paper and give yourself half an hour to do nothing but just white elephant, oh, pink, oh, uh, green, oh, I need this or whatever, and literally just unload things as they show up in your head. You know, different than the mind sweep that I teach, which is like, what are the things you have attention on, you need to do something about or whatever. But this was just like totally free for it. Very, very healthy very healthy to do that and and so those are the kinds of things and again if you have any you know god you know i was part of the methodist church in freeport louisiana where i'd sit down on sunday night and sit down and kneel down at the you know whatever and look up at the picture of the christ and whatever and have great inspirational ideas and wash dishes for my mother for the next three days because i was so inspired about being of service you know, so in, in any and all of those, and, 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 and come on, the spectrum is infinite in terms of how many ways you could find to do that. But finding some way to back off of the day-to-day spin of what you're in, and that could be simply reflective time in the library or, or you know, with a cup of coffee in the morning or, or whatever. It could be any and, any and all of that. I can't agree more. And I find when I put pen to paper, ideas just come and flow it's almost like you know something else writing for me like the ideas are from a guide or I mean it's really interesting um so so I concur I think some of us is writing some of us it's reflecting some of us it'll come out through art and artistic forms um or just messages or calls for what our purpose is and so it's it's a, a beautiful thing to have more white space. And I think David's getting things done can help create more white space if you Yeah, because if you're bo- if you're bothered about all this other material stuff and you don't have and you're not appropriately engaged with it, you don't have the bandwidth to be into those spaces appropriately or optimally. Yeah, you can get into them if you want. Just try to ignore all that 
but it's going to creep back in and again make you suboptimal in terms of your ability to be truly free internally. And sometimes it takes people to crash and burn and have a burnout or a, a stress leap or get laid off from their job or they have a death in their family or they get cancer and that's when they finally have the space for this um, this reflection time. Yeah, do it before do it before that. And then those things become things you then engage with much more appropriately, as opposed to being having to do that at the back end of the pressure. Well put. So on a you know, a closing note, one book and one podcast that you find inspiring. You already told us a book. Do you have another book? Do you have a podcast? I do have another book right here. It's a book called Humankind by uh, Rutger Bregman. He's a Dutchman, but it's an incredible book. It's His subtitle is A Hopeful History. And what he does is debunk a lot of the negative sensational press that's shown up over the last few years about how evil and negative and whatever people are. But he has a lot of validated uh, stuff about we're all really good people. And when push comes to shove, we'll do good stuff for other people. It's a greatly inspiring book. So humankind, it may show up reversed, I don't know, in your, <laughs> in your video, but it's a great book. Yeah, we will definitely put it in the show notes, the newsletter, the blog. It's going to appear all over the place. And I love that. I've always said there's always more good than there's bad. There's always more good people and good far out seeds exceeds bad in, in the world. Um, and and yeah, so I'm a very much with you on that. And I can't wait. And by the way, I suggest OGN, Only Good News. If Only Good News is a newsletter... And all they and you get it daily, and all they do is then repurpose only good news articles about great stuff that's happening on the planet. So OGN only 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 good news. Yes, go do that. I I love it. I, it's one of my few things I read every day. You know, it's it's fabulous. Yay! Wonderful. And is there a podcast that you particularly like? No, on the list of podcasts. Sorry. Okay, fair enough. Um, so if you could have one wish for a better world, what would it be? The world perceives problems as projects. Okay, so a reframing of every problem is a project and something that you can take a next action on and have a better outcome and learn a lot from it. And be in the driver's seat about making the world better, yeah. Beautifully put. Well, thank you so much for all your insights and for going a little bit deeper with us today um, beyond your typical conversations about productivity, I'm guessing. No, you know, now you and some, several others are going, wait a minute, there's a deeper level of productivity. Yeah, no kidding. Absolutely. So thank you so much. I've really enjoyed speaking with you, getting to know you and looking forward to sharing all of this widely um, with as many people as possible in our world. Thanks, Laura. This was fun. Okay. Stay well, David, and have a wonderful evening. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Where Work Meets Life. 
If you enjoyed this content, please rate and review the podcast as that helps me get it out to more people. Visit my website at drlaura.live and sign up for my monthly e-newsletter full of tips and resources. Please engage with us on social media and check out the podcast summary for links to my psychology practices, Canada Career Counseling, Calgary Career Counseling, and Synthesis Psychology. Stay well.